You're listening to the Slow Ride podcast. Likes, advice, and rumors straight from the source. The Slow Ride Podcast. And on Twitter at the Slow Ride Pod. Enjoy the ride. Hello and welcome to the 255th episode of the Slow Ride Podcast from Salt Lake City, Utah. This is Tim. <laughs> uh, and from Boston, Massachusetts, this is Spencer. Tim, I feel like we did this backwards, but we didn't. You've got, I, I, I guess I sense some, some confusion, some hesitation in your voice. I woke up in another hotel room and I was wondering where I was. And then I stumbled into the red iguana, some of the finest... Mexican food I've ever had in my life. Uh, for, oh, so good. If anyone ever comes to Salt Lake City, you must go to Red Iguana. That is true. That's a pro tip from the Slow Ride podcast. So hanging out, you know, having some fun. And oh, Spencer, so much to talk about in the world of cycling. We have a, another missive from world famous little guy who went back to mountain bike racing this past weekend. <laughs> we have lots to discuss at the Tour de Suisse. Um, bringing back one of my favorite segments, the one good question. You're going to be taking the lead on that, and I'm already ready. We've got that's a that's a huge throwback. We've got some good listener emails, and uh, I I told you over the week, like I already kind of like I called you really angry in the middle of the week. Do you remember this? <laughs> I might have blacked this out. Uh, you might have to remind me here. What uh... I called you a little mad, and you were like dude, save it for the podcast. I was like, no, I just need to have this conversation with somebody. Cause little guy was in the process of, um, driving to like Arkansas or something. So I couldn't like hit him up. So like you got the brunt of it. Uh-huh. Chris Horner, the only American grand tour champion of the last 29 years will make his tour de France commentary debut with NBC sports next week or next month. Uh, that was the lead from NBC sports on both their Twitter feed, Facebook feed, their website, announcing Chris Horner. Again, let me repeat this. The only American Grand Tour champion of the last 29 years. And now, I mean, Spencer, what it, happened 30 years ago? <laughs> let me see. Let me cast my mind back. Just, man, you know, it's pretty foggy back there. I mean, who's to say? I'm 29, I feel like that's pretty clear. But 30? I mean, who I mean, even cares? Oh, my God. Okay. <laughs> This is this is some next level. This is like uh, chicanery going on with the with the marketing the creative department. Creative nature here. of writing Greg LeMond out <laughs> of a press release. Mind and you, like, it, a cyclist yeah. that does uh. not have a dodgy record. There's no like the, the only like suspicions on Greg on Greg LeMond come from the Armstrong camp that we can gather. Mm-hmm. Most professional cyclists, people you come across, like Joe Parkin, others that were in that era all say that Greg LeMond was like the greatest natural talent. Yeah. So why is he completely written off here, Spencer, by NBC Sports? This by, is ridiculous. By, and that, that, I think, is the key. By NBC Sports. Like, what stake do they have in the game? You well, know what I mean? Like, I would expect this Bush League <laughs> attitude coming from the Outdoor Life Network, well, <laughs> maybe even versus. But NBC Sports to come in and drop this press release? Yeah, I thought we had turned a new leaf since the days I mean, of OLN. Okay. Spencer, this is this no. so pissed me off. Hang on. Like, hang on. Now, I need to know something very important before I let you rant any further. What are you expecting to hear from Chris Horner on the commentary? Well, the he's Tour not. France? So to be fair, Bob Roll got the elevation into the commentary booth to uh, replace the late Paul Sherwin. Yeah. Um, rest in peace. Uh, so it'll be Bob Roll and Phil Liggett doing the majority of the conversation. And then on the desk is you're going to have Chris and Vandeveld, um, Chris Horner being the new addition, mm-hmm. and Paul Burnmeister will be the host. Okay. What do I expect? First off, <laughs> like, how did Chris Horner get off of, like, like isn't he racing right now for Tim Illuminate? Like, like I think he's still a racer. So, you know. And let me just say this. 
Chris Horner, seriously? Like, I have a love-hate relationship with this guy? Sure. I got his autograph mid-race in a cyclocross race years ago. Yeah. That was pretty cool at that time. You had to try I was pretty, pretty hard. stoked when he won that stage at the 2000, what was that, 2005 Tour de Suisse in that beautiful Sunyar Duval kit. Remember? Oh, mm. it looks so good with the yellow. Just, oh, so awesome. I bought a Saturn station wagon mostly because <laughs> of Chris Horner's dominance on Team Saturn. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Spencer, why Chris Horner? Can I make a suggestion to NBC Sports? Why not? I'd, I'd love to hear this. Why not, why not flip the script a little bit? Why not get out of the, the old white men aspect of professional cycling commentary? Kristen Armstrong. Oh, that'd be a good one. Yeah. I don't know if the approach was made, but I don't know. It'd be pretty awesome to have a, a female voice on the television. True. Um, especially a multi-time gold medalist. True. Absolutely. I mean, she's, I don't know. I'm uh, just throwing that one out there. I bet you she knows uh, just as much about tactics as Chris Horner. Yeah. Here's she's, the other thing. She's Chris the Horner, America's most popular cyclist. Remember this? Remember? He didn't oh, yeah. even get invited to Tour of California, and you're bringing this guy to the, <laughs> to the stage? He, well, you know, now I got, I got to give Chris some kudos for that because America's most popular cyclist is definitely taken straight from the slow ride playbook like that is just a claim you make and then you stick to and all of a sudden nobody can really deny it because you can't really prove it and that is right in our wheelhouse so i i appreciate that i will laugh at it until the day i die but i appreciate the hustle look i don't really have major beef to say with like like at the chris horner thing i'm like whatever he's still around good for him um, he does, he did provide us with the greatest bike throw in the history of the Philadelphia pro race. Yes. I mean, if anyone wants to have a good time, I mean, Spencer, like th- even just the audio of that bike throw from Chris Horner <laughs> is fantastic. Well, he gets the slam first and then he gets the yeah. throw. It's, it's like a twofer. So is there, is there a way that you can bring that up? I mean, just the audio for people to listen mm-hmm. to. I mean, that thing was so awesome. Like, like he is like that, that is the Chris Horner I want. So if he brings yeah. that to the front state, the front, um, well, he, he, desk. Yeah. Covered, here's here's what I'm fantastic. Here's what I'm thinking. Initially, when I hear this, I'm like, Chris Horner thumbs down. I'm thinking 29, 29 year, uh, comment, huge <laughs> double thumb down. Not excited about this, but then. Then I, 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 I pan back and I, I get a wide angle shot of the full commentary desk that you were just mentioning with, with Phil and Bob and, and Vandeveld. And I'm thinking, Chris isn't the bad, he's not nearly going to be the worst dude on this desk, right? Like, I have come to appreciate Bob Roll a little bit. Like, he's, he's a humorous interesting guy like whatever but Vandeveld has had his time in the limelight on commentary he has gotten his shot he is he has repeatedly been called up like uh I think uh, he's to, pretty good to, to the team to the a team and you know he just he doesn't do it for me he's he's smart he knows what he's talking about but he he doesn't bring the heat you know what I mean he does not well he doesn't bring the heat the way Chris Horner did to his bike when he was racing for Team Lupus. <laughs> I mean, again, yeah. like if he brings that attitude, I'm all for it. Now, I don't know how many of our listeners have seen the uh, uh, kind of low-budget cycling documentary uh, of lore. You can't find this thing anymore. The website is gone. You can maybe pull it on eBay somewhere on DVD. Uh, but the movie Pro... Uh, which is yeah. a documentary of the 2002 um, Philadelphia International Classic, which you it's were just referring to. It's all about closing the door. It's, got it's Eric all about Saunders. closing the door. It has our buddy Eric Saunders in it, but it also stars Chris Horner, who gives some great interviews there and some great insights, and he's hilarious. And this is Peak Horner, so I don't know if we still got Peak Horner because this is from you know a good 15 years ago, but if he can bring that kind of uh, energy to the NBC booth, so, um, I'm I'm excited to see it i just don't know what what greg lamont has to do with anything okay so so are you thinking rationally 
that maybe no. my anger is misguided <laughs> at Chris Horner, that it should be more guided at NBC Sports Network? Oh, a- absolutely. I and mean, potentially, potentially spot on for how bad Chris will do. We can't judge that yet, but there's, there's a potential for either I, a spectacular, uh, like out of left field, like, wow, this guy's really good, or just an amazing crash and burn, just like a oof, wow. Okay, I just... It could go either way. I hear you. Okay, uh, let me, couple of caveats. I like Christian Vandeveld. I think he's actually provides some pretty good insight. I think he's entertaining. Um, I'm excited for Bob Roll. Bob Roll is going to make it at least a little bit more exciting. I hope that Bob Roll uh, does like some sweet underhanded corrections of Phil Liggett's like calling of the wrong I, sprinters. Like I do enjoy pretty cool. that. I want to see how he navigates that. I do enjoy that. But um, it's just the shade at Greg LeMond left such a bad taste in my mouth. It's so weird. It's so random. It's so, it's just like, hey, just say of the last 15 years or Why the last like, American. Or America's most you know, recent Grand Tour winner. There you like, go. Right? Like, like any one of those things would have been better. Like I, they, by saying 29 years, you're lumping him in with Lance Armstrong. Cause like instantly people are going to say, Oh, first time in 29 years. Oh yeah. Lance Armstrong. So the 29 years. Yeah. There's a definite callback right there. Yeah. Cause you're so avoiding. They just Greg. said, Oh, the most recent grand tour winner. Yeah. Anyway, I got really angry. Chris Armstrong was my idea throughout. I thought that it'd be good to just kind of mix it up a little bit. It would be, it would be good. That's a good idea. I had not uh, considered that. And I, uh, I appreciate you bringing it up. That's a, that's so, a good call. Hopefully they're listening. If anybody's watching this, or sorry, listening to this on their uh, computers, just go to YouTube and just type in Chris Horner bike throw. That will make your day. <laughs> and uh, so Spencer, you can type in uh, you can type big... in Chris Horner signs my jersey too, and find all three or four clips of you attempting to get him to sign yeah. your jersey mid race, which Great is classic. Times. Oh, right. Chris Horner, I bought a car because of you. You better live up to this Greg Lemond slight. Um, all right. Other big news happening in the world of bikes. Yeah, what do you got? Well, this was going to lead the podcast, but then it didn't. <laughs> okay. Because of the Chris Horner. Because of the... I'm not even going to put this on Chris Horner. Because of NBC Sports ripping ripping everything exciting out of bike racing for me. Um, mm-hmm. Trek. Coming together with Vox Woman for the one-hour recap of each day of the right. Giro de, uh, the Giro de Rosa. Yeah. Biggest, uh, biggest women's, yeah, biggest women's stage race out there. And it has been a little bit overshadowed a, because it's in July, uh, which, you know, there's been arguments back and forth about, you know, are there more eyeballs on cycling? Then is that the right spot to be, or is it overshadowed by the tour? Is that the wrong spot to be? I don't really care. Um, I'm just glad that it happens that they have a stage race and, um, that the recaps are going to be stepped up. You know, like they had recaps before. This is not totally new, but I think they're going to be elevated to a new level and uh, it's an awesome partnership to see. So big, uh, big applause from, from this guy for that move. Oh yeah. I'm stoked. Like it's great to see Trek continues to, I guess, think outside the box. They give the people what they want is really what they're doing, right? Like they give us free streamed cyclocross races. All I have to do is put your email in the, and now yeah. you get the one hour Giro de Rosa coverage along with Vox Women. Yeah. I am super stoked. I appreciate that. Um, I am also really stoked, you know, and then they have the equal payout at the Trek World Cup, which we're going up to. Yeah. So people should register if they want to race against us. We already, the, the whole wide angle podium family is going to be up there in Madison in mm-hmm. September for the Trek Cross World Cup. It's going to be a huge party. So everyone should come anyway. But I mean, this. We're- yeah. The equal prize money. Awesome. Now you've got another bunch of coverage for Giro de Rosa. Trek is going to be what helps change how the tour de France and the ASO treat yeah. women's professional racing. And it's going yeah. to take all of the sponsors to do what Trek is doing to kind of show that value in my opinion. Yeah. Um, and I, I like how they're kind of doing it from inside the house, right? Like they're, they're trying to fix it from inside the house. You can see, rather than just going like full on boycott because they obviously still need the marketing that comes from being participating with the men's side of things, but yeah, they're trying. So now we need to do our part to watch the best racing in the world and most entertaining racing and put it in a perspective that it shows 
that it's worth it. And that's the only thing we can do. Yeah, no, I, uh, I, I agree. It's great to see. And, uh, yeah, I'm excited for it. And mostly I'm excited to see everybody in, uh, in Waterloo. That's going to be awesome. It's gonna be awesome. And then the other big news of course was Mitch Docker showed up on oh. my wide angle podium app. I downloaded <laughs> that app and then all of a sudden Mitch Docker's on there talking to his mechanic and yeah. uh, right away in the, uh, in the slow ride Facebook group, someone's like, I wonder why can't Mitch ask his mechanic how many five millimeters the guy has dropped <laughs> hanging out the, the car window. Uh-huh. He's like, if I, if you looked at how many five millimeters I've dropped in the floor of my workshop, I'd be wading through with boots all the time. And I'm like, that's kind of true. Like uh, maybe yeah. is that the most underappreciated part of being a professional team mechanic is holding on to your tools when you're hanging out the window and pushing the rider? I mean, I mean, I don't know. Uh, I'm not a pro mechanic and I've never hung out the window of a car and repaired a, a, I'm doing air quotes. You can't see me repaired a brake, um, you know, for one of my riders. But, um, I, I have to imagine if you're truly a pro, you've got your work tools and then you've got your, you're fixing the brake tools, right? Like the ones that came with your Ikea set that you put together, you know, your bedroom set and your, uh, your kitchen table that, uh, you just keep those in your back pocket for when you need to do some work outside of the car. Yeah. Then if you ever find someone that needs a seven millimeter, you can laugh at them because they're on a chub hub. Yeah. So let's get to the next part of that. Is that Mitch, Mitch Docker's podcasts, which are awesome. A couple of episodes really stand out to me that I just want to call out, call back. So welcome to the network. One, Michael Woods, so oh, yeah. well produced when they're on their way to like catch the train and they might, I was literally on the edge of my seat. Are they going to make it or not? Yeah. And then you get the whole like breakdown of that amazing win that Michael Woods had. It was um, very good. The, the Volta, I believe. And two, most importantly, he answers the question about the greatest VO2 max. Yeah. And I'm not, I'm not going to spoil it. You guys are going to have to go listen to that one. No, that was so good. Second, mm-hmm. the pot, I don't know if you listened to it yet. He calls him Uncle Rory. Uh, I have not listened to this one. Oh, Rory Sutherland. I have a photo with Rory Sutherland hmm. from Nature Valley Grand Prix. I got to dig it up. Okay. Um, when he was in his health net kit, looking really good, hanging out with Roman Kaloon, I think inside of bus shelter. Oh, yeah. I remember this photo. Yeah. I've seen this. Rory. So good. I liked Rory for a while. He's on Movistar. Then he left us. He ripped, ripped my, <laughs> um, my excitement out. All yeah. Right. Roy, he's got a lot of stories. Talk about coming up through the American scene. Oh yeah, Pretty absolutely, awesome. so, absolutely. Yeah. Mitch, uh, Mitch has done a, an interview with um, uh, Gracie Evelyn too, as well from the female uh, Mitchelton Scott team, which yeah. was rad. Uh, that's one worth checking out. Um, I love, I love most of all that we now have an official Why Don't Go Podium mole inside the professional peloton that can get us that information that we all crave. Those weird oddball questions that we desperately need answered. Oh, Mitch, we're going to just start calling about that. <laughs> now, Mitch, uh, don't go and steal TJ Van Garderen's interview before we can get to him, all right? We're, we're waiting for TJ now because TJ press release came out this week. Uh-huh. This is the fourth on the list. This would have been on the podium if it wasn't for the Horner debacle with them uh, totally going after uh, Greg LeMond in such a way. Posted on the Slow Ride <laughs> Facebook group from Jeremy Duffield. TJ Van to play support role for Rigoberto Uran at Tour de France 2019. Spencer, yeah. when I go to TJ Van Garderen's pro cycling page, I see that he is only signed through 2019. I also tried to follow that up elsewhere to see if there's any announcement that he signed for two years or so. He's 29 years old. Uh-huh. I cannot find any information if he has a contract next year or not. I am. So this is just under the assumption that the data is not out there, or that. So I'm just assuming he's out of contract next year. Okay. Come on, TJ. TJ, <laughs> TJ, you are not working for Rigoberto Urán. Come on, TJ. TJ, you the man. No. We saw what you were able to do, TJ. We did. You you ride for yourself, TJ. I'm talking to you. He, oh. I mean, and I like Rigoberto Urán. It's gonna be great. In fact, yeah. TJ should work for him. But when that gap starts to create, because he's putting a little bit too many watts down at the front of the pack mm-hmm. of the climb, mm-hmm. I want to see him kind of just go you know, away, when, float into the when, sunset, have that yeah. jersey disappear in the sunset over the peak of the Tourmalet. Like, it looks so good. Oh, I thought you were right there on my wheel, man. Yeah, sorry. What, what happened? Oh, the <laughs> battery in my radio died. Yeah. Amazing. 
Yeah, yeah, the oh, earpiece wait, fell um, out. It's weird. Oh, wow. I got offered <laughs> another year on a contract? That's amazing. How does yeah. that work? Sure, I'll sign. Oh, I would love that. TJ. Because then if TJ wins the Grand Tour, you know it would be awesome? TJ Van Garderen, the only... TJ Van Garderen and Chris <laughs> Horner, the only men to win a Grand Tour in the last 29 years. Uh, we need this to happen now just, just for that. Dang, I, I had not considered that. But TJ, uh, I, think, I think his role is, should be helper. Um, but I think he should take that first week for himself. I think he should oh. go after a stage, maybe even two if he's feeling greedy. But then spend the next two weeks uh, doing doing the due diligence, earning that contract, and he, he should get a nice uh, two-year bonus, I think. All right. So, Spencer, here's what I need you to do. I need you okay. to point your browser to procyclingstats.com. Okay. Let me uh, let me just navigate over there. And, and what do you need me to do here, Tim? I want you to look at the headshot that's included on the winner of the Challenge International du Sahara Marocaine. Oh, this is amazing. One by Gustav Basson of South Africa of the TEG professional cycling team. Mm-hmm. Spencer, is this or is this not the greatest pro rider headshot in the history of this website and team rider cards? It's very good. And is he a model? Oh, I mean, he is now. Oh, like my that- God. Like, like uh, th- there's so much here. So go to the team page. All seven of their riders are pictured in front of a brick wall. Okay. But looking at that jersey, I'm kind of like, what's going on with this jersey? I need to see more of this jersey. This jersey is what I'm okay. most excited about. Obviously, they had a quality photographer, which, let's face it, isn't the highest on the budget for most teams, especially smaller teams. So kudos to them for that. But this kit, I need I need to know more. I don't know anything about so this kit. I've looked up this kit. Hard to find some photos of it. Uh-huh. And everyone, go to Pro Cycling Stats. Look up the TEG Pro Cycling team. It has some Buckminster, like a Bucky ball, like Epcot ball type triangles with yeah. blues and mustard greens and yellows. And the only jerseys that I can find photos of, Spencer, is that that actually is like a only on the shoulders at an angle. Hmm. So it's not the whole Jersey look, but then secondly, this picture of Gustav Basson. I mean, that guy, I'm pretty sure he raced for team Abercrombie Fitch back in the day <laughs> in professional cycling here in America. Yeah. I mean, could have. I, I mean, hope my, my wife doesn't go to our page to see. Yeah. That. I mean, there's, there's a, a few of these guys, man. This this could definitely be the most handsome team in cycling, I think. Um, I don't have a lot of stats to base this on, but just uh, just going off of what I have here, I think it's a I think they're a shoe in. Now they are ranked 137th in the pro cycling <laughs> stats ranking, so pretty big win for them. But anyway, yeah. that sh- that shook my. It shook my bones to my core when I saw that when I was looking for some Chris Horner stats. So I was like, ooh, I yeah. can't wait to take Spencer to this one. Okay, yeah, it's very Spencer. good. I appreciate that. Let's get to what we really wanted to talk about. Okay. And that, of course, is the 83rd Tour de Suisse. So much to discuss. Oh. First off, let's get the good stuff out of the way. Carlos Bettenker finishes in, oh, wait for it, eighth place overall. Only four and a half back his, over his countryman, Egan Bernal of Team Ineos. Amazing. Carlos Bettencourt in the contract year. I was just going to say, it sounds like contract year gummy bear to me. Yes. So good. That is like the best. Let me, let me continue to go up the podium. Okay. The super wide angle. Seventh place, Domenico Pozzovivo. Yeah. Definitely stoked. Yeah. Then you you have Simone Spilak. You know, little guy's stoked on that one. He is very stoked. But (laughs) This is the only race he performs on. He is the exception that proves yeah. the rule uh, of my um, fifth through twelfth place in in both the um, Tour de Suisse and the uh, and the Dauphiné. Uh, these are the guys to be looking out for. So, Gummy Bear right there in contention. It, that is the rule. So here's the question though: mm-hmm. in fourth place, Tees Banute. That made me really excited when he got fourth. 
Then you got Patrick Conrad, continues his good form, Rohan Denny. And then you get to Bernal. Bernal instantly left yeah. comments, answered all the questions that he would be working for Garrett Thomas at the tour. Or G, as I like to call him. And he said that he would, he's only 22. There's lots of Tour de France's in his, ahead of him. Spencer, yeah. will Bernal be the first placed Colombian at the Tour de France at the end of July? Now I see what you're doing here. You're trying to set me up so you can slam me for, for dissing Nairo. And <clears throat> I'm not going to yes, do that. You're pretty cool. Like, <laughs> okay. I am transparent. Yeah. I, I'm not going to do that. Uh, I think he will be the second place Colombian. He will come in ahead of some other big names. Let's be, just put so it that way. He's but he's going to beat Iran. I will. I will say that he's going to beat Iran. Is he um, going to beat Bettinker? He will beat Bettinker. <laughs> okay. Not You're by much. Well. Not by much. I, I, I put him and Bettinger in the same category, uh, but he won't he won't uh, beat Nairo because Nairo will have the team working for him. He will not be doing any work whatsoever, even if Bernal gets to sort of slough off the work and sort of only do some of it uh, because he's really just trying to do well for himself too, but keep some face. Um, he's going to have to do some work, and that's uh, going to work against him, uh, but... Are we doing a, a disservice team. to Sergio Hanau, the Colombian national road champion of UAE Team Emirates? Probably. Yeah. So, you know, if we're being honest, probably, yeah. Yeah. So overall, Bernal will be the second place Colombian. So he will probably be third place overall because Naira will be taking the top step, <laughs> followed by G. Thomas and then Bernal. Um, little guy a little bit later makes his prediction that we're going to save that for after the credits. So stick around for little guy's prediction on, uh, who is going to win the tour de France, but Spencer. <laughs> okay. Overall tour de Swiss. Yeah. I like it. I like, I like it, it too. all of a sudden a lot more when I saw Bernal totally mm -hmm. save it in that time trial bike going around that corner. There was at least four moments when I was like, Oh my God, he is going to like all yeah. within like a split second of each other. And he kept yeah. it. Yeah. Like that, that you're, you're exactly right. There were in the, through the super slow-mo in the corner, there were at least four different points at which I identified the exact moment at which he was going to crash. And at, amazingly during none of those, did he actually crash? He actually made a correction, like was able to pop that rear wheel up and move it over and kind of change his trajectory and uh, prevent that front wheel from washing out. So good for him. That was some uh, some very exceptional bike handling, especially on a TT bike. Uh, it looked like that corner was maybe a little gravelly. I don't know. Yeah. I, I haven't I haven't read anything about it. I haven't heard any. I haven't seen any press releases from the Bernal camp. But I'm thinking, dirty cancer next year, huh? Oh, I like what you're doing. I I didn't even think about that. Maybe just the right amount of gravel for him yeah. to go on there. So going forward, we have the Tour de France starting in just a few weeks' time. Roughly, it's on the, about one so about, week. About one week. Yeah. We have the Giro d'Italia International Feminine, or the Giro de Rosa. Pretty excited about that. The national championship jerseys, for the most part, have been doled out. And that's professional cycling. In a <laughs> Yeah, but that we're, doesn't uh, mean the podcast is over. No, we're so, just gearing up. We've so we got, have a lot on the flip. We've got some listener emails. Again, little yeah. guy is going to join us for a little bit. And uh, one good question makes a comeback. Yeah, well, and we've got quite a bit of uh, plans for the Tour de France. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, I don't know if we want to get into all that right now or if we just want to hit people upside the head with it when, when the tour is going on. But um we're, we're working on some stuff, and hopefully you guys enjoy it. Uh... This is Eric Saunders. You're listening to the Slow Life Podcast. All right, Spencer, here we are in the Prem Lap. Once again, we'd like to thank all of the listeners and supporters of the Wide Angle Podium Network. 
Because of listeners like you, we're able to provide independent cycling content and support the, the, uh, the producers, such as Mitch Docker and his life in the Peloton, probably my favorite cycling podcast that's out there. So head on over to WideAnglePodium.com and find out more how you can donate, support the shows you listen to, or just go and download the Wide Angle Podium app or search Wide Angle Podium wherever you find your podcasts, including Spotify and Apple Podcasts. And YouTube. And YouTube. That is correct. We'd also like to say that this podcast is supported by Health IQ, a life insurance company that celebrates the health conscious, including cyclists. Visit healthiq.com slash WAP to learn more and to get a free quote. Or check out their life insurance FAQ page to get your questions answered. Basically... I'll give it to you in two bullet points. Very simple. Health IQ advocates for a health conscious lifestyle. Therefore, they use science and data to get lower rates on life insurance for the health conscious, including those who exercise four times a week through cycling, weightlifting, swimming, running, etc. Spencer, you don't need to do all of those because I know weightlifting is not one of them, but you <laughs> do cycle, you do swim, and you do run regularly as you're training for an Ironman. Uh, okay. <laughs> So head on over to healthiq.com slash WAP to learn more and get a free quote and find out how they can save money for you on your life insurance. All right. Uh, and of course, we are brought to you by Whoop, uh, W-H-O-O-P, Whoop. Uh, they are a, a, a performance tool that's changing the way people track their fitness and optimize their training. Uh, the Whoop Strap 3.0 is out now. It is a wrist-worn heart rate monitor that pairs to uh, an app, and it what it does is it provides you analytics and insights on your recovery, on your strain, and on your sleep, um, which are just huge, huge things to know if you need to take your training to the next level. Um, that is a great option for you. So, well, and we've already heard from quite a few listeners that already have the Whoop. Um, and then yeah. some that even have gone out and used that 15% uh, voucher that we've got for their whoop. Mm -hmm. It's been fantastic. I'm going to be getting one fairly soon. Super excited to uh, see how I am uh, staying active and also like the strain I'm putting on my body from all this podcasting. Yep. Yeah. So yeah, we've gotten tons of great feedback on it and it's awesome. We appreciate you guys checking out whoop. Um, if you haven't yet, you can do so at whoop.com, W-H-O-O-P.com. And uh, if you are interested in their product, use the checkout code SLOWRIDE to save yourself 15% and optimize the way you train. Spencer, there is so much more to get to. Let's get back to it. This is Mitch Stocker, and you're listening to The Slow Ride Pod. Spencer, we got a new review over on the Apple Podcast. Let's just give that a quick listen. I'd like to thank Tandem Boy for writing in five stars. Love the pod. I'm on the upper end of your demographic, but you guys rock. I love the ridiculous cycling angles you cover, as well as the serious sides of bike racing. As for pronunciation, tell that bro to get over it. Keep up the great stuff. <laughs> Tandem boy, you clearly are the captain of this relationship. Thank you so much for the love and the five stars. I'd be your stoker any day, as long as it's not up a hill, because I always freak out about si tandems going up the side of a mountain because they never go very fast. And then the downhill, I'm definitely in the back because I am the sketchiest descender of all time. I was going to say that sounds like the, the scariest thing you could do on a tandem, but then I remember that people do race uh, tandems on the velodrome and all of a sudden so, I was, uh, thrown back to, to some, some, some memories of that. Did so did you ever uh, ride the tandem on the velodrome when it was out there? No, no, no. Oh no. my God. It was insane. Cause yeah. you had to trust your entire life to like the guy, <laughs> the guy, like he only let us ride on the back. Like, Oh, you're only going to be stoker. You're not going to captain this bad boy. And yeah. the upper body strength that you got to have to keep that bike upright. Yeah. Coming out of the turns uh, two and four, it was ridiculous. And uh, that was a lot of fun. But Spencer, the tandem, of all things tandem, uh -huh. there's got to be, like, what is 
you th- what do you think mechanics like to work on least? Oh a man, tandem or a recumbent or one of those like sun cycle trikes. Those you nailed three of uh, of the four. I'm gonna go ahead and put like homemade electric bikes on there as well. Um, <laughs> or like the gas powered mower bikes. Yeah, like the uh, I bought this kid on Amazon and attached it to my target bike. You know, um, I don't know if if you can rank those honestly. Like we so may have to put a poll out on let's Twitter. Let's put it out about on that. the poll, or let's have some of our listeners mechanics email us at the slow ride podcast at gmail.com hit us up let us know what you would work rather work on least a tandem a recumbent a um gas powered electric homemade kit Mm -hmm. or a um or the tricycle the trike the sun trike i gotta think the tandem is probably not too bad because most of them are like you can at least get in the stand pretty, pretty easy yeah and they're pretty well kept like they're 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 just sort of a bike they're just longer all the other ones are they're different, you know? Right. That's well, that's my gut feeling. Michael Stark hits us up. Hey, guys. This week's episode was great, at least the first half. I listened to, up to the comment about adventure cycling in the Natchez Trace before I had to go back to work. So, Tim, my tote cycle and I made the first 63 miles of the Natchez to Port Gibson with a decent detour for some sights. I think you would enjoy it. May I suggest nice. a slow ride group ride up the Natchez Trace? Spencer, you have already claimed that you are not coming. <laughs> Michael Stark is ready to fill your role. He had a sweet picture mm-hmm. next to the Natchez Trace Parkway. I think this is going to, it's going to happen at some point. It needs to happen. The bike packing adventure of a lifetime on the Natchez Trace in the lovely state of Mississippi. It's going to be fantastic. It, I mean, you do do a good job of selling it. It's, and it's nothing against the, the actual route. It's more that I, you know, maybe if we end, start and end each day at a, at a decent, you know, hotel, motel, whatever, uh, I can, I could be convinced, but, um, I don't know about the bike camping situation. So you're saying there's a chance. Ah. Dear slow ride. I think you guys are looking at this whole phantom TT position subject all wrong. Aren't these people really heroes who are trying up to up their Zwift game during the off season? I mean, if you think about it, bike safety is really only for crashes. Got to keep this one short because me and my BMX bike are off to the velodrome. Douglas evil Niper out of Michigan. Now did he, did he, did I mistake him? But did he say that people were riding, uh, racing out there, uh, to train through their Zwift off season. Yes. So <laughs> very good. Very good. So, so his, then it does make his sense. argument is that in fact, the wristing you're resting your wrists on the tops of your handlebars yeah. is actually just training for Zwift. Uh, like, yeah. So when you're doing it in the local group rides, you're just getting ready for that Zwift off season. Well, you know, you got to crush that FTP, you know, that uh, where else are you going to train for that? But, at a local race. So I think Doug may actually be onto something here that this may be like, like we are now experiencing the Zwift off season that when people are out on group rides, like that's their training for the upcoming race season for when it gets really cold and, and dark in the uh, Northern uh, f- parts of the 48 States. Mm-hmm. So well done. And I do just want to say he's bringing his BMX bike to the velodrome, which I've seen that velodrome in Bloomer park, Michigan. That is a sketch fest. So BMX would totally work out there. <laughs> <laughs> and then we got awesome. uh, another email from Corinne Gordon. Is there a specific hand motion pros have to single sig- signal to each other that they're going to blow their nose or hock a loogie? This is an important question. Now this is important. So and, yeah, and it's become like uh, you know grave consequences. Obviously, from this now, like we used to just kind of poke fun and say, "Oh, well, you know, you should always single." But so when what you, do you what when do you I'm got? on a group ride. And yeah. being a professional cyclist that I am, when I'm on a group ride, I kind of look around me and just kind of like do like a half point to the, like, just like wave a little bit, usually over the shoulder that I'm going to, um, kind of the, the uni- the whatever's about to come out of my mouth yeah. or nose. Is it the universal, like, I- I'm going to sneeze. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like that kind of, Hey, you guys don't want to go over near me or I go all the way over the yellow line just to like yeah. totally get out of the way. But I yeah. mean, I don't think Chris, I mean, the Illuminati moved the yellow line for uh, Chris Froome. Uh, there wasn't a yellow line, in fact, that he didn't crash. It was on a soundstage in Los Angeles, right next to where the <laughs> landed on the moon. Amazing. 
So, um, yeah, I don't know if there's a universal uh, snot rocket signal. Um, the only, I mean, I, I sort of, uh, I guess, put the put the hand out to the side of your face, sort of, sort of in, in similar to to what you're doing. But the most important thing you want to remember when you're doing something like that is is to not make it anything at all like. A, a, a normal hand signal that you do like to point out potholes or to turn left or right or anything else that you do do on a bike in a normal group ride scenario. This is something that little guy is guilty of on every ride we've ever been on. Yeah. Where like we're just in the group riding along and all of a sudden he'll see like a blue jay like on a tree or a hawk or something and just be like, oh, look at that and point. At it, just like we're about to take a left turn, and and the whole group freaks out, like, whoa, you know? Yeah. And so you need to you need to be conscious of your uh, your fellow group riders' um, mental states as well as just keeping them free of uh, any of your bodily fluids. Oh, for sure. <laughs> Stuart Gregg left us an answer or a question on the uh, Facebook group, the Slow Ride Podcast official fan experience super zone. <laughs> How long till Bicycling Magazine starts talking about the great new way to train for road season is the off-season? Cross. I can see the one-pager and bullet points now with comments from Shimano and SRAM on equipment choices. And then there was a quick response that said, actually, it's the best way to train for gravel season, which was even better. So, Spencer, (laughs) is Cross completely in the mainstream now as a training element for the first five months of road season at this point? Um, I think it, I think it's in the mindset. Like I think that there are enough roadies out there probably more on the pro side than the amateur side that are looking at this seriously, that are seeing what Wout and what Matthew are doing and are, uh, are considering it. Well, they're not the I only think, ones, though, right? Like, there's no, other riders now coming over to cross. That, oh, oh I, sure. I mean, I think I think in 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 the amateur ranks, I think there's a much bigger group that already does this, and is like scratching their heads, being like, "Whoa, how come I'm not dominating the road races? Like, what's going on? I'm out there every week, getting getting destroyed, getting lapped uh, in my local race. And uh, shouldn't, I, shouldn't this be adding up to something here on the road? And, uh, <laughs> you know, just trying to figure out the formula. So I don't know that it's going to work for everybody, but uh, I'm, I'm sure there are people. Uh, and we got, we, I don't, I don't know if we're going to see uh, 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 <laughs> Sagan out there uh, on the well, cross course again. He did but try mountain maybe. biking. That didn't work out so well. But speaking of Peter Sagan, Black Label Leo hits us up and says, Hey guys, just a check-in. It's not spending money if it's an investment. This is true. And it was the Specialized Venge Dura-Ace DI2 Peter Sagan Special Edition. You may recall that we were asked about if buying this bike would be a solid long-term investment at (laughs) $13,000. Yeah. I believe we said it would be. Yes. Currently so, for sale. Okay. For $7,000. Oh, no. <laughs> Crashed once? No. But I will mm, say this. This um, is the lead to the posting of the gentleman that is selling it. This one's going to hurt, but here it goes. Does not get ridden as much as I would like to. This bike has been a Sunday special occasion kind of bike. As it should be. Yeah. So don't listen to us for all your financial advice. That was a horrible... I mean, lost 50% of market... Well, value now, immediately. Yeah. I think he's selling at the wrong time of season, though. He needs to sell it after Sagan wins the green jersey or loses right. in an epic bottle to Wout Van Art. A couple things going on here, right? Like, one, we don't know if this guy bought it in American dollars or Canadian, which was a big factor in our advice. Um, oh, that is true. You know, so I don't think our our our, our fan will have as, as dire losses as this guy. He's probably still breaking even at this point. Um and it's only going to go up in value from here, obviously. But secondly, that advertisement, um, I didn't hear you mention the word rare anywhere. Uh, I, didn't, I didn't hear you mention uh, never crashed or, you know, great for collegiate students uh, or any of the great tips we have about uh, selling your bike. That is very true. Maybe if people, if you're selling a bike, remember, we'll take care of it for you. Just send us 
an email at the slow ride podcast at gmail.com. Spencer, it is now time to get to one of our favorite segments of the original slow ride podcast kind of episodes uh, one through, I don't know, 50 or so. And that was the one good question. Take it away. Yeah. We're throwing this one back. Um, I, I kind of had, um, I was scrolling. Th- I'm going to give you the backstory here and, and bear with me, but I was scrolling through my Instagram feed and there's a local bike shop here in town called Summer Velo. That's a great little repair shop. They don't sell bikes. Yeah, they just it. uh, it's a great shop. Tune up bikes. Yeah. Very cool little shop. Um, and they had posted a, a customer had come in and got uh, an old bike of theirs all dressed up. Brand new campy. Like it was dialed to the nines, but the frame was an old steel Tomasini. Oh, yeah. And it just hit me straight in a place that I didn't know existed anymore. Like I had forgotten that I used to own a Tomasini Super Prestige and I sold it. And this and seeing this picture of this bike just just opened the floodgates like it was like I was on the therapy couch and just like the the gates just opened and all the feelings just poured out and all of a sudden I was filled with regret I was filled with remorse I realized how much I liked that bike and how much a hole it has left in my bike fleet since it's been gone which has been since about 15 been years at this point well, um and so so I had this I had this question that I wanted to pose to to you and to all of our listeners is what bike do you have in your life that is the one that got away? Oh, Spencer. Whether, whether, whether it got away because you didn't pull the trigger on it when you could have or, or if you had it and you let it go and, and you just you haven't been able to get over it since. And like, do you have that oh, bike? Yes, you know I have that bike. You know what bike is that bike that I made <laughs> the biggest mistake of all time was selling that bike. Do you know what bike it is? Uh, I I have a few in mind actually for you, and that that that's where I get that's the crux of this question is like I don't know what's inside your heart. Tim. Oh, I know like, what's inside my. Heart. I I know which bikes you've owned that you've sold that I'm like dummy. Like you're gonna regret that. Like that was a stupid, or you sold it for too little, or whatever. But like I don't know which one like you connected with the most like which one like it may not be your most expensive bike it may not be whatever but like which one leaves that void oh spencer come on spencer (laughs) let me take you back let me take you back to the glorious days of super rookie and super rookie.com the glorious days of my wonderful panasonic track bike that would have been my guess the red front (laughs) to the fade white beautiful bike Mm-hmm. The gold velocity rims and spokes before it was cool. The gold bar stem combo from Mavic. The gold cranks. That bike was amazing. And to top it all off, the Aero Campy Seapost. Spencer, selling that bike is one of my biggest regrets of my entire life. And I have heard yeah. stories about what happened to that bike. I heard it got crashed. I heard part of it is on the International Space Station. I heard that that bike has ridden around the world by someone else. I've heard that uh. bike has lived such a wonderful life. And if I would have just been able to hold on to it, who knows how my life would have changed. Yeah, you just can't say, you know, and that and that's that's where our stories are different because I got that Tomasini and it's a super prestige and it was like blue and with these like geometric sort of fade, fade to white on it. It was gorgeous and it rode beautifully and it had a Shimano 600 group on it. It was like eight speed, I think, but it was, uh, just, it was like butter. Like it was so nice and it had chrome lugs, oh, polished chrome lugs. Yeah. It was extremely good. And, uh, our buddy Chuck opened up behind bars, uh, bike shop. And, um, you know, as you do when you're, uh, just first opening a bike shop, you don't have a lot of credit. You don't have a lot of inventory. You don't yeah. have a lot of cash flow. And, um, I wanted to be, I wanted to help 
my friend Chuck, like, and keep his business afloat. So I said, I tell you what, if you can sell this bike, you can hang it on the wall and, you know, keep whatever above what I paid for it. You know, kind of expecting that it was nobody was going to buy it. You didn't like put nobody was going to go in there looking for it. You should have charged more. Oh, I certainly didn't charge enough. Um, and it was gone like in a week. Like, I, it, it was like, I didn't even get to say goodbye, you know? No, no. That, it was a good looking and, bike. I remember this bike. It was kind of, yeah, it's not and, as nice and, as that KHS frame that. Uh, it was way nicer than that, oh, but it was good. this this was is like, this is how the story is different, though, is that I have not heard nor seen a hide nor hair of this bike ever since. Like, not a rumor, not a whisper, not a, not a fleeting, you know, out blurry photo in the background of of something. Like nothing. I that bike just it's like it just vanished off the face of the earth, and I will never see it again. And I get that feeling, you know, I, 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 when I see that Tomasini come across my Instagram feed of, of just deep regret and just wonder it, like whatever happened. Yeah. Whatever happened to that bike? I, oh man, I'm getting sad and, and reminiscent just thinking of my bike. You almost ruined my day, but I was, I was going to guess the, uh, the Panasonic Tim. I like, I, I, I had a strong suspicion that's what it was, but, um, I should have never gotten rid of that. I sold that and oh. I didn't want to steal your thunder. Oh, you know? that was so good. Okay. Spencer. We yeah. have a missive from the little guy. And so here's what oh, we're yeah. going to do. It was a great um, uh, submission from the little guy. Mm-hmm. And we have our first ever podcast appearance from Tom Boonin. Tom Boonin. Let's try it out. Yeah. And uh, yeah. let's get to it. And we'll leave some uh, comments. I'll let you know uh, where we need to uh, talk a little bit. But uh, let's, um, let's play what he's got. And then we will okay. we'll act like he's here with us. <laughs> All right. Let me, uh, let me pull this up. and Hey, guys. Oh, hey. Here's my race report for the Worth Mountain something. Uh-huh. How'd you do? Mountain bike race. It was my first race of the year. I just spent uh, eight to nine days. I'm saying hi to. I'm saying hi to all the people. Can you say hi? What a strong debut. I just spent uh, a good eight, nine days off the bike. Uh, two days two days in the car driving back from Arkansas time to do the first race of the year um kind of excited first race as a unattached rider so i could choose my own kit (laughs) listen to me dad (laughs) do you have a train i choose my own kit get to choose own kit of course i went with a pair of navy blue bibs uh, from Search and State, and a kind of plum maroon Enduro jersey. Um, going for comfort and style today. It was a little steamy out there. All right, so I roll over to the race. All right. Spencer, stop right there. Let's just set the stage. Navy blue bibs and a maroon yeah. top. I can't it's think of a more choice. little guy unattached kit color combo than that. No, it's pretty good. It. I mean, I'm not surprised, but I'm surprised. Yeah. You know? All right. All right, let's keep going. And I roll up to the bike rack to go in and pay my money for my 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 bib number. And I look over at another rider who's putting their bike on the rack, and they are wearing the exact same jersey as me. <laughs> okay. Same okay. purpley plum maroon uh, Enduro jersey. Obviously, good choice. Someone wearing the exact same jersey. Have you ever, Spencer, been a member of a really large team where you didn't know who the other person was? Like... I was on oh, a yeah. team in Chicago that had like 80 people and I'd show up yeah. at the races and I'd be like, Oh, you're on the team too. I kind of yeah. like, so little guys on the unattached rider team now plum Jersey. Yeah. It, it is random to see, to see, but like that, not, not totally unheard of. So no, no, no. Right. I mean, plum Jersey, plum Jersey. Also, and strangely, they are wearing uh, Navy blue bibs. <laughs> so that's weird. We talked for a second, kind of strange. Two unattached riders that decided on the same look. I made it my goal then and there in my head silently to beat this person. Now I knew this was going to be tough because they looked fit. <laughs> I love and this. I am not so. So rolled up the start line. A couple minutes later, uh, my new nemesis, style nemesis, 
he decided to start on the front row. So sign number one that I was not going to beat him. Yeah, that's a bad sign. Uh, sign a, number two is a real bad sign. Is that uh, when the race took off? So did he, far away from me, and I believe he finished second. The people in here, they're all over the world. He finished second overall. But it was nice uh, later in the race. I, on multiple occasions, had people congratulate me on my good results uh, toward the, <laughs> after the race and the fact that I had. I was told I had recorded the sickest jump of the day, which was certainly not true. So, um, <laughs> so congratulations to Guy who got second and recorded the sickest jump of the day. Two things here. I did a little bit of research. I needed to know who this man was. Okay, the yeah, guy obviously. thought he could beat. His name is Emil Ham. He is 20, 20 years old, 18 years the junior of Matt Allen. Yeah. He beat little guy by 20 minutes. Um, <laughs> now, mind you, lap times were 19-minute laps. So little guy didn't get lapped, but he was pretty darn close to getting lapped. Yeah. Um, and he's from Canada. And I found his Facebook page. That's creepy. Yeah, well, you know, it happens. <laughs> I don't know okay. how someone mistaked, mistook Emil for a little guy. I I think people were being generous to say, little guy, congrats on the sweet jump. Yeah, well, and to his credit, though, you you just don't turn down those kind of kudos when they come your way. No. Like, so You just say, oh, yeah, thanks. You know? I do love the fact that little guy thought he was just going to beat the guy. Like looking at him, like, oh, I can beat him. Little guy, oh. mind you, got twenty eighth out of thirty two in the elite field. So he deserves a full load of credit. And this, the Minnesota racing scene is pretty stacked. Um, yeah, with uh, you know Jeff Hall, uh, Sam Berkland, Dominic Talerka. I mean, there there are some really good racers out there. But it was pretty uh, pretty awesome to see. And also Matt Leisinger, friend of the pod. Gave me his bike when I slayed you guys at Schwamigan. Won the single speed uh-huh. race. Saw that. But little guy with the plum jersey, <laughs> navy blue bibs, finding yeah. instead of teaming up with the guy see, and going up to him being like, hey, let's work together. I'll, like, I'll, I'll block for right. you. Which is the correct strategy. But, like I understand little guy's instinct to be like, well, I need to defeat this person because that's, that's what you do with your teammates. You know yeah. what I mean? But this guy, like, if if you and I were to line up at a race, say, I don't know, Schwamigan 2018, it's not <laughs> like we're teammates. Like, all of a sudden, like, we're going to be friendly. I'm not going to chop you, but I am going to beat you. I'm going to need to beat oh, you. Oh, yeah, so I, for sure. So I understand little guy's instinct there, but, <laughs> but this was not a normal teammate situation. This is an unknown quantity, and therefore, you need to default to a new rule in cycling that is... If you don't know how strong the person is, they are definitely stronger than you and you need to work for them, you know? Yeah. Oh, there's so much I love about this uh, missive come from little guy. None, none other than recapping his amazing race performance and little Tom Boone and Tom Boone and hanging out in the background <clears throat> playing with his train. Yeah. Well, wondering where and obviously recreating the train uh, scenario from Paris-Roubaix that got him disqualified. Like, he's still clearly upset about that. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So... You want to get back into this? Yeah, I think we got to keep going. Okay. There there are a few more minutes left in this uh, uh, missive here, so I'm curious where it goes. Yeah. One other thing I wanted to mention, and this this is a general fault of mountain biking. It's not a fault of the guy who was behind me. But there, there was a rider I was with for most of the first <laughs> lap, a um, little uh, of the second, and then he got back up to me, all the third, most of the fourth lap. And... I was fading. It was clear. But I had been leading all of that time. He had never once been in front of me. But whatever. I'd never <laughs> flipped the know. elbow. Never made the the big old gestures. It was fine. I was fading. I knew at some point he was going to probably get me there. And I did bonk pretty hard there at the end of that fourth lap. But when he decided to pass me, he said, I'm going to pass you on your left. Now... That seems friendly. I know I've talked about this before. That seems friendly, but that's not, because what am I supposed to say to that? No? I mean, then I'm the jerk. And it feels like... It's just a mountain bike thing, but... I mean, 
he could do me the honor elbows out. of attacking Put the elbows me. out, little guy. In the same way that when you've got a GC rider and a stage hunter, and they're they're both coming to the finish together, oh. the, the GC rider, if they're huh? a good rider, they'll put up a fight. They'll make it look real. They'll they'll rock the bars back and forth. Um, you know, sell it a little bit. <laughs> Nobody wants to just get uh-huh. guy, you're knocked off. Place, and in the same way, I knew this guy was going to probably beat me, but just saying, I'm going to pass you now. It's a little heartbreaking. I would rather he just put in a dig on me and I couldn't follow. So I don't know what to do about that. It's a mountain bike thing. It's a weird formality that is I not. I understand that. I respect that. It puts the onus on the one being attacked. <clears throat> And it's very strange to me. It, I don't understand what to do with it. Other than that, everyone in mountain bike races is super nice and friendly, and they're fun, and they're not road racing. Yeah, so I, I see what he's saying, and I, I get he wants to he wants to go down like a warrior. Is what yes, he's that's it. I get it. Like there, there is no no one goes you know. Into the into the like the knights of old didn't go into the field of battle to like, you know, just kind of like get left behind. You know, like they they were like, ah, oh, well, at least I'm gonna go out in a blaze of glory. You know, like. But I will say this: is that he he and this gentleman, I'm assuming it's the guy that beat him by about thirty seconds, <clears throat> because they were five be. minutes behind the group in front of him. That maybe this guy was just like you know. We're kind of out here on our Sunday stroll, just having a good old time, just throwing down some mountain bikes. You know, I'm going to mm-hmm. pass you or less. I'm, I'm clearly faster than you. I'm past you. Little guy's argument is just then pass me. Like, like give, like gun it, gas it. So, yeah. So I can go out in a blaze of glory. I get right. it. I, I'm just a, like, you know, little guy. Here, how are you here's the thing, guy, man. How are you going to throw in the towel? Elbows out, man. Don't let him pass you. Like, we need more fodder for the podcast. Anybody that says, I'm going to pass you on the left, guess what? You don't let them pass you on the left. Make them go to the right. Say, oh, oh I'm sorry. I thought you said go to, go to your left. Now, what happens in this scenario if that guy is behind little guy for, for basically all four laps? They separated <laughs> a couple times, but basically all four laps. The guy's been behind you on your wheel, pretty much sticking there. You know he's feeling a little fresher. You can tell you're, you're going oh, backwards. He but pips you at the line. This guy who you've been riding with for an hour says sport leader coming through. Oh, that'd be awesome. That is the best part of mountain biking. That's my favorite joke after the sport leader out of my way. And then people like, are like, Oh really? They're like, no. (laughs) So good. But would little guy get out of the way? I, I, I I should hope so. I think he would. I don't know. I think he'd appreciate it. Little guy's the type of rider and he's not here to defend himself. So I'll just throw him (laughs) out with the wash. Uh Uh-huh. Little guy's got a little angry streak in him when he's out there on the mountain bike. Like, he, he does oh, yeah. not want to lose. Like, I guarantee he is mad tiger. that he got 28th place here and that we're making fun of the fact he got 28th place and you and I haven't done a mountain bike race in, like, three years. He is – and I, I need to ra- – I'm actually going to be racing this this fall in the single speed. It's coming back. But I'm just saying, okay. the little guy's out there racing, and I know that that he wanted the dignity to go out on his shield, but he wanted yeah. to destroy that guy and be up near, you know, mid-pack. So yeah. No, well, so make sure, sure that uh, if you want to hear little guy's predictions for the Tour de France, hang out to the end of the podcast. And no, oh, okay. he is not predicting a victory for one George Hincapie. But it is a pretty good prediction that I did not see on the radar and only someone little guy would pick. And coming up, we're going to have immense Tour de France coverage. We're going to have a Let It Ride coming up with all of the info for the roller derby for the busiest time of year over on our favorite fantasy cycling website. And with that, we'd like to thank Whoop for their continued support. Go to whoop.com, use the promo code SLOWRIDE at checkout. We'd also like to thank healthiq.com slash WAP. Head on over to find out how you can save some money on your life insurance. Yes. And uh, Grimper Brothers, uh, you can head to wideanglepodium.com slash coffee to grab some good uh, coffee beans for your, uh, your for your mornings. Treat yourself right, and those beans will support the Wide Angle Podium and all the shows, including ours and Mitch Dockers. I was just about to say, go check out the Mitch Dockers show. It'll be fantastic. We'd like to thank BK1 of Rhymesayers Entertainment for the intro and outro music that we love to use here on the Slow Ride Podcast. And make sure you email us at the slowridepodcast at gmail.com for any 
advice or questions or tidbits on some of your favorite cycling news of the week. You can also hit us up on Twitter and Instagram at the slow ride pod. And with that in lovely Salt Lake city, Utah, this is Tim. And uh, this is Spencer in Boston, Massachusetts, reminding you to always wave at all your fellow cyclists that you see out on the road. The Slow Ride Podcast. Bikes, advice, and rumors straight from the source. TheSlowRidePodcast.com and on Twitter at TheSlowRidePod. Okay. Do what you must with this. Summarize it, edit it down. I don't know. I just had to get those things out. Bye-bye. Oh, and Warren Bargill is going to win the Mountains jersey and get ninth overall because he broke his hip or whatever this year. It's my new theory. Someone's got to break his hip every year. All right. (laughs) Bye.